There are certainly first mover advantages, but the advantages of waiting, of being a settler, will perhaps help us avoid FOMO. This will help us avoid chasing the wind. Often it's about playing the long game. It's about persistence in the short term and patience in the long term. Welcome to today's Super You Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quammen. Most of you know me as Equal Man. Today's a special show. As you know, we're doing a reading of my new book, The Focus Project, and we're giving away the book for free here in 10 to 20 minute segments. So again, if you want to check out the Kindle version or the paperback, you can get that on Amazon. But without further ado, here's the latest reading from my book, The Focus Project. Our focus map. My maps are visual aids that help us organize and process information. As a visual learner myself, I'm a big fan of them. Colors, images, symbols, and words are incorporated into these maps to help our brains make connections. Or as mindmapping.com puts it, mind mapping is a highly effective way of getting information in and out of your brain. Mind mapping literally maps out your ideas. Mind mapping converts a long list of information into a memorable and highly organized diagram that works with your brain's natural way of visualizing things. One simple way to understand a mind map is by comparing it to a map of a city. The city center represents the main idea. The roads leading from the center represent the key thoughts in your process. The secondary roads or branches represent your secondary thoughts and so on. You can put your ideas down in any order and worry about reorganizing them later. We can see the effectiveness of mind maps in the research of Nobel Prize winner Dr. Roger Sperry, who proved that the cerebral cortex in the brain is divided into two hemispheres, right and left. Mind maps bring together the left hemisphere of the brain, responsible for words, logic, and numbers, and the right hemisphere, responsible for images, color, space, and rhythm. The more our right and left brain work together, the more our brain can work at optimum efficiency. One particular study found that mind mapping enhances information processing, helping to improve memory function. In one specific example, the recall of facts by medical students improved by 10% when they used mind maps. Mind mapping is also beneficial in childhood development. Mind mapping boosts word recall for children more successfully than using lists. Improvements can be as high as 32%. In short, mind maps are fun and effective whether you're 8 or 80. Standing firm. One of my favorite activities is volunteering at my church Sunday school. Selfishly, I truly believe I get more out of it than the kids do. If you ever find yourself figuring out what to do next, consider this. Number one, give yourself a break. You're not alone. We all experience this limbo in certain seasons of our lives. And number two, donate your time to helping out someone else. When in doubt, volunteer. While I loved working with kids at Sunday school, I also travel quite a bit for speaking and book tours. As a result, when I volunteer, I want to be assigned to one of my daughter's classes and requested this assignment to the head of the school. However, the need is often for help with the elementary school boys. Not wanting to be a bad volunteer or feel the guilt associated with it, I often would say, okay, and fill in for these slots. Then, I would sadly say goodbye to my daughters as I dropped them off at their classes. 
While helping the boys is wonderful, it just isn't the same as leading my daughter's classes. I prefer spending time with my daughters. This project had me examining every aspect of my life. At the top of this list was spending more time with family. As such, I sent another note to the head of the school. Dear Kelly, thank you for the honor of allowing me to volunteer with the school children. My wife and I love it. Since I travel so much during the week, I'd like to spend as much time with my daughters on the weekend as possible, including Sunday mornings. So we can spend time with our daughters and help other students. My wife and I are happy to volunteer anytime you need us for the following classes, second grade girls or third grade girls. We were happy to receive the following response from the church. Of course, Eric, this makes complete sense. Thank you for the note, Eric, and for you and your wife always helping out. The next week, I was assigned to my daughter's class. It was the highlight of my week. The following week, I received this email. Dear Eric, will you be willing to lead the third grade boys class this Sunday? Upon receiving this note, I had the same initial reaction as always. Reply with, I'm happy to help. Habits are certainly hard to break. But since I was in the middle of this project, it was the ideal time to experiment. If I behave the same as I have in the past, what is the point of the project? Further, I reminded myself of another maxim. If it's not an immediate yes to the opportunity, i.e., would you be willing to lead the boys, then it should be an immediate no. Most often, a hard definitive note is the best approach. In this instance, knowing the culture at the church, I decided this was one of the rare exceptions where a hard no would not be well received. So here is my response. I copied and pasted my previous note. Hello, Kelly. Thank you for your note. Thank you for the honor of allowing me to volunteer with the school children. My wife and I love it. Since I travel so much during the week, I want to spend as much time with my wife and daughters on the weekend as possible, including Sunday mornings, so that we can spend time with our daughters and help the other students. My wife and I are happy to volunteer anytime you need us for the following classes, second grade girls or third grade girls. Well, as much as I'd like to say this note worked, it didn't. I soon received this note. Hi, Eric. Thank you for your message and willingness to volunteer even at the last minute. Did you receive my note about volunteering for the boys' third grade class this Sunday? What a great chess move on her part. Now I really had to dig deep to avoid checkmate. Here's my reply. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for the note. I'd be happy to volunteer this Sunday to take on the third grade girls. So if one of the other teachers of the third grade girls wants to lead the boys, then I'm happy to backfill them. And I'll lead the girls while they lead the boys' classroom. Please let me know if I can help. Guilt and shame enveloped me. What kind of a church volunteer am I? A conditional volunteer? It was as if I was volunteering to be the parking attendant at the church and stating I'd be happy to do it, but only on days when it's 75 degrees and sunny. Guilt and shame took turns ping-ponging within me. To help myself out and to give myself a break, I stuck my hand into the metaphorical mantra bag for this project and pulled out, real change is real hard. To help lessen the shame and guilt around me being so emphatic about teaching the girls, I reminded myself that I was a much better teacher with the girls and I looked forward to it. The boys would be much better off having someone who was truly looking forward to the experience and was better equipped at dealing with and wrangling the limitless energy of elementary school boys. Fortunately, it wasn't long before I received this email. Hi Eric, one of the teachers is happy to lead the third grade boys. So it'll be great if you'll lead the third grade girls class. While some shame and guilt still lingered, it was more than offset by the joy of being able to spend time with my daughter and deepening the relationships with her and her friends. 
Also, it felt good to help the church fill all the volunteer slots in a creative way. My daughter and I still laugh at some of the funny things she and the other kids said and did that day. Lifetime memories. Just think, before this project, this moment would have been missed. The cherry on top is that the leader of the boys found she enjoys leading boys better. A win-win situation. Now, it won't always end up being unicorns and rainbows, but you'll be surprised how often new pots of gold are discovered when everyone states their desires. We cover this next with the Abilene Paradox. Hi, my name is Kelsey, and I'm the Chief of Staff at Equalman Studios. I like the Focus Project because it highlights so many different areas of importance. So whether you're trying to focus on your health and your fitness, or whether you're trying to focus on your personal or professional relationships, the book has so many useful tips and tricks to focus on those specific areas. I also really like how the book has been broken up. You can start from front to back like you would with any other book, or if you'd like to start with a specific focus, you can start with that chapter then jump to a different chapter when you're ready to shift to a new area of focus. I also think this book is more important than ever. Chances are at the beginning of quarantine, you made a promise to yourself that you were gonna start eating better or start working out more or being more productive with your time. And for a lot of us that hasn't happened yet, but I think this book is perfect for getting started. So whether you're ready to make those changes or help a friend, you can find the book on Amazon, The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less, now available in ebook and paperback. As always, we love hearing your feedback. Leave us a review for The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less. The Abilene Paradox. The Abilene Paradox and other meditations on management written by management expert Jerry B. Harvey focuses on the well-known Abilene Paradox, taught in classes around the world. The basic plot and lessons are as follows. On a hot afternoon in Coleman, Texas, a man, his wife, and his in-laws are comfortably playing dominoes. The father-in-law suggests that they take a trip to Abilene for dinner. The wife says, sounds like a great idea. The husband, despite having doubts about the long drive and the Texas heat, thinks his preference must be out of step with the group. But instead of raising any concern, he says, Sounds good to me. I just hope your mother wants to go. The mother-in-law responds, Of course I want to go. I haven't been to Abilene in a long time. The drive to Abilene is hot, dusty, and long. When they get into town, the family picks out a restaurant. The food, however, is as bad as the drive. After they finish eating, they head home, arriving exhausted and unsatisfied. The mother-in-law dishonestly says, It was a great trip, wasn't it? Even though she would rather have stayed home, she went along because the other three seemed so enthusiastic. The man honestly complains, I was delighted playing dominoes on the porch and would have been happy to continue doing so. I only went along to satisfy the rest of you. His wife replies, I just went along to help keep you happy. I would have had to be crazy to want to go out in the heat like that. The father-in-law then says that he only originally suggested going to Abilene because he thought the others might be bored playing dominoes. The group sits back, perplexed that they had collectively decided to take a trip which none of them wanted to actually go on. They each would have preferred sitting comfortably and happily, enjoying the afternoon as they were, but none of them admitted it at the time. The key takeaway for the purposes of this project is that we must make a decision and speak our minds. 
which is not always easy to do. Consider the mother-in-law's position. She's the last in the decision tree. How many of us would act as she did? Think about the many times you may have said to yourself, well, I don't want to be the only one to rock the boat. Stating our opinions directly and honestly is imperative. Look at the multitude of potential decisions at our disposal each day. The possibilities are endless. If the mother-in-law had to relive the situation, she'd be better off with this statement. Well, the most important thing to me is that we are together. That is what makes me happy. I'm perfectly happy staying here. I believe that the drive will be long and hot and that we're better off given the weather today staying here. However, if I'm the only one that shares this opinion, then I'm happy to go with everyone. Notice she didn't say, that's a dumb idea, or I don't agree with you. Instead, she merely stated her opinion, bracketing it by including what is most important to her, being together, while also making others feel good. Being with you makes me happy. She's taking an active leadership role. Next time we find ourselves leading a meeting at home or in the office, we must foster a level of openness so others follow by stating their true opinions. Alan Mulally, while CEO of Ford, told a story that maps directly to this idea. For update meetings with his top executives, he wanted the status of projects to be easily identifiable. Hence, he used the stoplight method. Similar to a street stoplight, projects are either red, yellow, or green. All executives report on initiatives as either green, everything is fine, yellow, things appear okay for now, but we need to keep an eye on them, and red, trouble spots. For the first few meetings, the status board was all green. Mulally was a bit befuddled by this because one of the main reasons he was brought in as CEO was that Ford was struggling and needed to be turned around. Yet, his team was telling him the opposite. Everything was perfectly fine. Finally, at one meeting, someone, apprehensively, presented a few items in red. What did Mulally do? He stood up and started clapping. In the next meeting, almost everything was in red. Mulally indicated that from that time forward, they made significant progress because the employees felt safe stating what was going on, even if it was bad. As a leader, Mulally fostered this openness, allowing for more focus and rapid decisions for fixing the troubled spots. You never hear someone say, wow, I really respect that guy. He agrees with everything I say, and therefore, I never know where I truly stand with him. What a great yes man. But you do often hear, I don't always like what she has to say, but I respect her because she always speaks her mind. Focus on politely speaking your mind. If you do so, it will be the exception rather than the rule that you end up somewhere you don't want to be. FOMO, fear of missing out. For many of us, especially those who identify with having tendencies of a squirrel, our issue is that every opportunity looks like the must-do opportunity. We are pulled away from completing our current project by the allure of the next big thing. Ironically, before the next big thing came along, there was the previous next big thing. How do we cope with this without feeling we're missing out on a huge opportunity? One approach is understanding that being the first mover on something can often be a disadvantage. This approach goes against the common perception in our entrepreneurial culture that those first to market inherently win. In many instances, the exact opposite can occur. Gerald Tillis and Peter Golder discovered this in their well-known study comparing the success of pioneers, i.e. first movers versus settlers, 
not first to market. The failure rate of pioneers was more than five times higher than settlers, 47% versus 8% to be exact. The conclusion is that there are several advantages to being patient enough to see how things play out. A prime example of this is the iPhone. There were several smartphone offerings before the iPhone launched, most notably the Handspring Trio 300. This was a smartphone, but it was still a flip phone, so it was about the size of a small brick. I was fortunate to have access to a test pilot version of it. I'll remember my friends making fun of me. It looks like a dumb phone, they cackled. It's so big, as they flipped open their large paper notebooks, holding them up to their ears saying, hello, yes, Houston, the eagle has landed. Why, they questioned, would I ever want email on my phone or to watch video on my phone? Timing it perfectly, Steve Jobs and Apple launched a much better and radically designed smartphone that forever changed the game. Ironically, Steve Jobs was famous for vehemently stating that Apple will never make a phone. As one executive recalls, the exec team was trying to convince Steve that building a phone was a great idea for Apple. He didn't really see the path to success. One of the failures of many organizations and founders is that they're on the bleeding edge instead of the cutting edge. They are too far in front of the market. The market just isn't ready for this type of product. On the other hand, settlers can wait and watch until the market is ready. It's important to be one year ahead of our competition, but never be a year ahead of our market. There are certainly first mover advantages, but the advantages of waiting, of being a settler, will perhaps help us avoid FOMO. This will help us avoid chasing the wind. Often it's about playing the long game. It's about persistence in the short term and patience in the long term. Chapter Summary The One Big Thing Memento Mori Remembering that we will die helps us treat time as a gift. Death reminds us that life isn't pointless, but purposeful. Grade this month, B+. This month felt like a splash of ice water. I was unknowingly letting important relationships in my life take a back seat. This month was beyond rewarding. Every phone call, every lunch, and every connection lifted my spirits and reminded me that life is all about relationships. Top takeaways. Number one, set up two lunches per week and call two people per week and thank them for something. Number two, draw a mind map for the next 12 months. And number three, always state your opinion. Remember the Abilene Paradox. That's all for today's free clip from the Audible version of my new book, The Focus Project. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's Super You podcast. If you did and want to get the book either for yourself or someone you know in your family that you haven't seen for in a while, it makes a great gift. It would mean the world to me if you got the book because I think it's going to help so many people that are wrestling with how to focus in these ever increasingly and changing times. Anyways, this is Equal Man reminding all of us it's not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 super you.